Jesus has saved us. We are secure in him. The Holy Spirit abides within us. We have the wonderful word of God to give us counsel. He's provided fellowship for us to bring encouragement. And he promises to be in our midst when we gather together like this. But nevertheless, over and over and over in Scripture, he lays out personal responsibilities. Personal, and they're not based on, they're not based on some, some uh, skill set that you might uh, have that's better than someone else. So it's not based on maybe uh, the way you were brought up. No, you and I have a choice, have a free will, and we can make a huge difference. Our decisions, our decisions determine the well-being of our own Christian life. And so if you're able to stand, let's look at these verses, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 10. I need to turn this thing on. Deuteronomy. I don't know why I said Deuteronomy. Turn over to... Hezekiah 3.1, if you would. <laughs> I did say Galatians 6 initially. Well, that could be scary. If I said Deuteronomy inadvertently, what else could I say? All right, let's look at verses 6 through 10. Uh, chapter 6. Yeah, Galatians 6. Thank you. I may need more help than uh, let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth. That's just what took place right there. Uh, And actually that means something else. Teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Pause. That's not referring to you earning your salvation. It is referring to if you expect rewards in eternity, you need to sow to the Spirit. If you want a great expectation concerning the next life, Well, sow to the Spirit now. I move on. Verse 9, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. The title is, Harvest Time is Coming. Harvest Time is Coming. Whether you like it or not. It's coming. So let's go ahead and pray. Father, may you bless the message, minister to our hearts. We're thankful for the scripture, thankful for the powerful word that is able and has changed our lives. And I pray that we would be quickened according to your word. And I pray, Lord, you'd bless it now. Bless the teaching. Help me to speak. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Years ago, I used to tease at the end of church services, and I would say, in conclusion, 
God bless you. I hope you all reap what you sow. Well, that shouldn't be bad if you're sowing the right stuff, right? I mean, if you're offended, it's really not my fault. The only one who's going to be offended is someone who says, you know, I really don't want to reap what I've sowed. So there are four things I want to point out here, though, in regards to this idea of harvest time is coming. First of all, the exposure of what we have sown in verse 7. Verse 8, the expectation of what we have sown. And verse 9, enduring the sowing of good seeds. Spend a little bit of time on that. And then verse 6 and verse 10 together, an example of sowing good seeds here. So first of all, let's consider this in verse 7. (coughs) Excuse me there. Verse 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Initially, as we read that, it appears that uh, Paul wants uh, the Galatians to know that uh, pretenders will always be exposed. Hypocrites will always become manifest in time. As we consider that passage, the reality is this. When it says, we shall reap what we sow... Hypocrisy and integrity will always be revealed in time. And I am going to give you some Bible examples of this here in just a moment. But hypocrisy and or integrity will be manifest eventually. We go back to Cain, Cain and Abel. Let's consider him real quickly. Cain brought the wrong sacrifice to the altar. It is apparent if you read it, I don't think it takes a deep theologian to figure it out. Cain knew better. But he brought a works, a works offering, produce from the ground to give to the Lord. And even when he lost the Lord's pleasure, the Lord offered him an opportunity to have a substitute. He told Cain, sin lieth at the door. But apparently Cain refused. And in refusing, we learn this about Cain. Cain, he has sown to himself vainglory, self-righteousness, and the result is this. When you sow these things, you have a difficult time being around those who are accepted or excel. Because eventually, bitterness and malice would enter his heart, And he would murder his brother Abel. And it would be obvious what was in his heart. Remember what John said. He said, how can you say uh, you love God who you can't see when you don't love your brother who you can see? Hello? And so our relationship to people says a lot about our relationship to God. And when Cain stiff-armed the Lord... Ladies and gentlemen, he was sowing the seeds of destruction for his own life, and he would reap the whirlwind, and none of his descendants would abide the flood. Every one of his descendants would die in judgment in the flood. Lot. We're familiar with Lot. Lot says to, or Abraham says to Lot, we be brethren, but there's turmoil. We need to separate. 
Choose whatever direction you want. The Bible says Lot looked at the well-watered plains of Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, what was he thinking? He was thinking prosperity. He was thinking worldly gain. He was thinking maybe even worldly pleasure. And so he departs from Abraham and he sows to himself the things of this world and he reaps a worldly wife and worldly children and he loses his family. Are you hearing me? Eventually his heart is revealed. <coughs> David. David, a man after God's own heart. Now hold the coffee here. David sowed a lot of good seed. But it doesn't matter how much good seed you sow, if you sow wicked seed, it's going to produce a harvest too. And when David committed adultery and then murdered Uriah, for over a year, hardly anybody knew about it but God. The day would come when God would reveal to Nathan what David had did. And maybe Nathan the prophet already knew, but he hadn't got that clear message. I don't know. I do know the Bible says, and the Lord came to Nathan. And he told him to go to David. And Nathan would confront David about this sin. The good news is David would confess it. David would repent. David's relationship with God would be restored. But ladies and gentlemen, the seeds of iniquity had been planted. And the harvest would follow as you read 2 Samuel chapter 12 on. All you have to do is look at the turmoil in David's house after that. What he did in private would be made public. God is not mocked. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he reap. Hypocrisy will always be exposed. Man, I, I know so many stories of different preachers, different men of God who... At one time, they were serving the Lord, and then all of a sudden, something happened. Their life shipwrecked. It's like, was that the result of one bad decision, or was that the result of a long process of accepting pornography and immorality into their mind? Great was the fall thereof. They sowed the seed, and they reaped the whirlwind. But wait a minute, it doesn't just end there. Because integrity also will be manifest. Whether people see it or not. Whether people acknowledge it or not. Whether it's applauded by the crowd or not. Joseph, what are you going to do now that you're a slave in Egypt land? Joseph, what are you going to do with all the opportunities before you? You can indulge yourself, Joseph, but Joseph says, how can I sin against God? He was talking to a heathen woman. He was, his dad wasn't around for him to impress. The only one that was around for him to please, he knew God was watching. He was concerned about his integrity. And what happens to Joseph? He's thrown in jail. He's lied about. He's slandered. And we look as the reader, as the observer, and we say to ourselves, wow, he's sowing good seed and things are not 
panning out. But you and I, ladies and gentlemen, have the blessing of reading the rest of the story. <coughs> it's easy for us to look at his life from the end back. But what we need to remember is, the Bible says in Psalms 105, until the word of the Lord came, the, the word of the Lord tried him. He was tried. He was tested. And he continued to sow the seeds of integrity. Even in jail, he sowed the seeds of kindness when he could have been bitter. He sowed the seeds of helping one another of charity. And eventually his day would come. Eventually harvest would come. Are you hearing me? God is not mocked. Whatsoever man sows, that shall he reap. Oh, <coughs> we could look at this in a financial aspect as well. In many ways. But I want us to look at it in the light of hypocrisy or integrity. Hypocrisy or integrity. Because God is not mocked. It will come to light. Hey, Craig, when you plant your fields, do you usually have soybean and corn? Okay. Now, when they're first planted, I would say this, because I didn't grow up on the farm. I know enough now I can tell when it's soybean season on the field. But there's a lot of folks that would look at the field after he's planted that, and they wouldn't know if soybean's coming up. Or corn's coming up until it started coming out of the ground. Are you hearing me? And when it starts coming out of the ground, you can tell whether or not it's wheat or tear. Hello. So, <clears throat> the exposure of what we have sown is inevitable. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Man, that sounds scary. But let's get to some good news here, okay? It doesn't have to be scary. In verse 8, For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the, <coughs> shall of the flesh reap corruption. <coughs> but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Apparently, as we look at that passage, and, and as we consider what Paul has written, there are really ultimately two areas of sowing. We either sow spiritual seed or we sow fleshly seed. It's really one of the two. When we sow to the flesh, we can be sure it's not going to last. Are you hearing me? When we sow to the Spirit, we have assurance it's going to last. It has eternal purpose. By the way, even the little things can be spiritually sown. The very fact that you remembered your wife. What's today? The very fact that you showed a kind gesture to somebody that was discouraged. The very fact that maybe you bought somebody a lunch. To, uh, those things, though they may not seem big, in Jesus' name, listen... Whoever gives a cup of cold water in his name will not lose their reward. How much more if they give more than that? Are you hearing me? 
Your very prayers, your very prayers, you say, well, man, I don't have the health to get out and make visits and that. But I can pray, and I pray for the membership, and I pray for the widows, and I pray for those who are ill, and I pray for our church, and I pray for God to do God honors that. You're sowing, you're sowing to the Spirit, friend. You're sowing to the Spirit. By the way, it's not only uh, do you have something to look forward to because you're praying and asking God to do a work, but it's affecting you. You can't spend time with God and not be affected. You can't. <coughs> so, there's only two types of seed that would be sown, fleshly or spiritual. Do you want, do you want to have great expectations? Do you? Can I share a story? Thanks, I appreciate it. <coughs> I've shared it before, but it's just one of those highlights in our church history. And I'll, uh, I liked, there was a, back in 2002, before we were even meeting in the gymnasium, we were still meeting in the little house. We put together a little savings. We had like four or $5,000 in a building fund savings. That was huge for us. We were running, man, maybe 100 people right around there. And we had that money. I went to a preacher's meeting, and this preacher got up and mentioned a, a need. He had some land, an opportunity to buy some land, but he only had a short time to get it. And so uh, the moderator of the, the meeting <coughs> mentioned to the preachers, fellas, any of you feel like you could give? And I'm telling you, the Lord prompted my heart. I said, if our church, I said it like this, if our church will let me, I'd like to give $2,000. So anyways, make a long story short, come back, told the church about it, and man, no problem. Everybody was excited about giving Brother Bob, oh, what was his last name? Oh, his name's slipping me. Dear Don, can you remember his last name? Ah, it's in Batesville, Indiana. Anyways, so uh, Brother Bob, we had Brother Bob come down on a Wednesday or Sunday night. And we gave him this $2,000 check. And I was just so excited that we could do this and be a blessing. It's, isn't it fun to be a blessing? I mean, and to help him <coughs> purchase this property. <coughs> Ladies and gentlemen, within one month, within one month, God gave us a van with 26,000 miles on it. A GMC van with, I mean, the guy who gave it to us, he had it customized. He had a fancy bug guard on it, and uh, he had it detailed, had the letters on it. He did everything. I mean, it had hot wheel wheels. <laughs> and he gave us this thing. And he says, you know what? If you'll just make a note that it was the equivalent of 4500 I'm giving it to you. I said, cool. I thought that was pretty awesome. Because I kind of put it together. I scratched my head and I thought, man, that just came out of nowhere. We gave $2,000 and the Lord just gave us that. But that's not the whole story. Ladies and gentlemen, can I tell you something? My wife was coming back from Indianapolis. She had just visited a good friend of hers, Brenda Lucas. She's in glory now. Brenda Lucas was a longtime friend of Linda Barnes. And she was a member of Lighthouse Baptist in Indianapolis. Now, we'd been at this, and it wasn't long after this. My wife calls me and says, uh, are you standing or sitting? I said, well, uh, I'm standing. 
She says, you might want to sit down for this. I said, is this bad news? She says, no. I said, then I can stand. I'm good. (coughs) She told me that Brenda Lucas just gave us $20,000 for our building fund. Now, you can say coincidence. You can say whatever you want. I say you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. Anyways, you want big expectations, ladies and gentlemen? Let me say this. One of the things that I've, concerned, I've been concerned about in my life was I was a wild hoodlum as a teenager. And I backslid. So is anybody ever practiced backsliding? <coughs> I backslid. And so what do you do when you backslide? You sow to the flesh. Hello? You know, so I, I re- there's a lot of things I'm thinking, man, I hope... I hope I don't read that. Hello? I'm thinking, oh, Lord, please have mercy. I don't want to reap everything I've sown. And the Lord, give me, give me a principle here. And I got it when I was out working on the ball diamond when we first got this property. Back when Steve was the lawnmower man, we, uh, we had all kinds of weeds on our infield. This is before Brother Tracy made it look like uh, Field of Dreams uh, infield out there. <clears throat> I saw all these weeds coming up, and I'm like, this is just terrible, and I, and I don't have time to go get weed killer and all that stuff and then, and then wait for it. So I, took, I just had a bag of seed, and I just I overseeded the whole infield. I overseeded it. I mean, it was like carpet. I kid you not, within about a month, you know what it did? It suffocated the weeds. It suffocated. Brother Steve said, that infield's the best grass around. We don't even have grass on the infield anymore. Brother Tracy took it all away. He turned turned it into a softball field. And it's absolutely beautiful. But anyways, anyways, all that grass, it suffocated the weeds. And you know what you and I can do? I mean, we can overseed. You say, well, I got stuff I'm concerned about. You know what? So do the Spirit. So do the Spirit. I mean, pray, serve, give. So, so do the Spirit, friend. So do the Spirit. And you just watch how God will take care of you. Hey, hey, remember the maniac of Gadara? Remember that fella? Okay, so you reckon he sowed some wild seeds? You reckon? Yeah, he did. But after he gets saved, after he gets saved, born again, and uh, absolutely changed, delivered. He wants to follow Jesus. And Jesus says to him, go home and show your friends what great things I've done for you. You know what he did? He went and spread it abroad everywhere. And you know what happened? The next time Jesus came over, people wanted to see Jesus. He sowed the good seed. He sowed the good seed is what he did. <clears throat> Ron Midgley. Ron Midgley is Dawn's uncle, and uh, Ron and his wife, June, real close to Tim and Linda. They did all kinds of things together, but Ron, he didn't get saved until he was in his 40s. And I think, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, was it through the ministry of Baptist Temple? Greg Dixon's ministry down there? Okay. He received Christ as Savior. He's He's in his 40s. So he, you know, from the time you're young to 40s, you have a lot of time to sow to the flesh. But nevertheless, though he got on board late, you know what happened? He got involved. 
He became a soul winner. He learned how to share the gospel with people. And he made a commitment, ladies and gentlemen. He made a commitment to the day he couldn't walk. He made a commitment to go out on visitation every single week and hand out gospel tracts. He's a businessman. But he handed out gospel tracts. The very fact that he scheduled it made him a good witness throughout the week. You see, if you say, well, I'll wait for opportunity. Listen, opportunities, you've got to look for them. And if you schedule it, if you schedule it, you're more apt to do it. And Ron, he went out every week. Who knows how many people come to Jesus Christ, trusted him as their Savior, because Ron Midgley sowed good seed. I don't know how much, I don't know the kind of seed he sowed before he was saved, but I do know what he sowed after he got saved, ladies and gentlemen. And that's what God wants you and I to do. Here's the situation. I'm pulling all kinds of family members in, but it's good. Patricia Keppel. Patricia Keppel. Patricia Keppel has two, her and her husband have two boys. Her husband leaves her. I mean, they're in church, they're serving the Lord, and her husband, the dirty philanderer that he was, he left her. Left her, high and dry, with two little boys to raise. What a terrible thing. Those boys had to, on one side, someone who's so into the flesh. But you know what? Mama didn't get bitter. She didn't get angry. Well, I'm sure she was hurt. She was dying inside. But you know what she did? She stayed faithful to church. And she kept them boys in church. And to this day, to this day, you know what? But though she's in glory, she's rejoicing. Both of her boys are in church. They're married. And one of her boys is a pastor over at Newcastle, Whittier Lane Baptist Church. Not only that, she's got grandkids going into the ministry now. So what'd she do? She sowed to the Spirit. She sowed to the Spirit. She prayed for them. She gave. She served. She worked. She was faithful. She committed herself to the house of God. I move on here. By the way, you know why some people struggle facing death and some do not? You see, when you've invested in heaven, it's easier to look forward to it. Hello? When you've invested in it, it's easier to look forward to it. But if you haven't, it's a little more difficult to take that last breath knowing that you have to let go of everything you've given your life to. Hello? Ladies and gentlemen, we have an opportunity to give and serve and sow seed that lasts eternally as we are involved in a local New Testament church. Number three, I move on here. Spent a lot of time on that one. Look at verse 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. First thing I'd like to point out there is the reality is sowing good seed is more wearisome than sowing fleshly seed. Hello? Almost said McFly. (coughs) Sowing good seed, let me put it this way can be more wearisome than sowing to the flesh. Why? Because sowing to the flesh comes so natural. You know what you did by coming to church on a Wednesday night? You sowed a seed of faithfulness. Every time you do, every time the right thing is uncomfortable, but you do it anyways, 
you sow a seed deeply for the Lord that's going to produce a good character, a good habit. It is wearisome sowing good seeds, but the good news is, the promise is, we shall reap. Hey, Joseph, hold on there. You shall reap. Hey, Daniel, I know that you don't want to eat the king's meat and you don't want to defile yourself and you're doing what you can. And you don't know what's going to become of all this. You're giving yourself over to the Lord. Ah, but hindsight tells us all, Daniel. You outlived all the kings. They came to you for counsel. You had the blessing of God in your life. 2 Timothy 2.3, Paul would tell Timothy, Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Jesus would say in Luke chapter 18, verse 1, Men ought always to pray and not to faint. Not to faint. Same word that we read in verse 9. If we faint not. God says there's a harvest coming if you don't quit. There's a harvest coming if you don't throw in the towel. If you don't get derailed. There's a harvest coming. Hey, Job, stay the course, Job. You'll understand it better by and by. David, I know King Saul is on your heels. But stay the course. Ladies and gentlemen, many people miss God's best because we bail out on God's test. I've said that before. I'm going to say it again. We, we miss God's blessings because we, we fail God's testings. We give up. I'm tired. I'm done. I just, I'm not seeing results. I'm not seeing answer to prayer. People aren't coming to church. I invite them and they never come. Nobody's listening to me. Stay the course. Do you realize Adoniram Judson was in Burma seven years before he saw one convert? And now, ladies and gentlemen, I can testify there are people in Indianapolis right now today that are Christians that are descendants of those who were saved as a result of Adoniram Judson's uh, missionary work in Burma. That's the truth. Fort Glover could tell you that story. He has 600 kids in their Christian school. Half of them are Burmese. William Carey went seven years before he saw one convert. How easy they could have thrown in the towel and given up, but I'm telling you, just keep sowing, keep sowing. Stay the course. Listen, if you and I could enjoy the work as much as the results, we'd get plenty of results and we'd have plenty of joy because there's plenty of work. If we can understand it's a privilege to serve God whether I see results or not. Jeremiah, how you doing? Haven't seen one convert. Hey Noah, how about you? My wife and three boys and their wives and that's it. Well, how long have you been preaching? 100 years. Hello? <coughs> stay faithful, stay the course. I love what the Bible says about Gideon in Judges chapter 8 verse 6. I mean, he and his 300 in a hot pursuit after the enemy. And they call for help from the men of Succoth, and they weren't, they're not going to help. 
And the Bible says he was faint, yet pursuing. God wanted us to know that he was physically tired. You know there are people here tonight, I know you, I know there are people here tonight that are tired. There are people serving in kids, king's kids right now, tonight, that are tired. They're tired. I know that. And I know when Sunday comes, there'll be people that show up for Sunday school, people that work on the bus route, people that work in the nursery, that are tired people. But they're here. Do you realize we couldn't have a ministry? There's people we couldn't reach. If we didn't have some people that said, you know, I might get weary in the work, but I'm not going to get weary of the work. I want to keep my mind on things above. This world's not our home, ladies and gentlemen. We're not taking anything with us. Praise the Lord. There's so much we can enjoy. I know that. God has given us uh, every good thing, and He's given you to enjoy, but listen... He's given it to you to be a steward, too. A steward to be a blessing. We're blessed to be a blesser. Blessing. (coughs) Number four, finally. Mercy, we're going to be done before the king's kids. Look at verse 6, verse 10. Here's the example. It says, Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto them, unto him that teacheth in all good things. Well, this passage actually is talking about preachers. And it's just talking about taking care of preachers. You know one of the delights I have? We had Jimmy Gilbert here Sunday night. Some of you got a chance to hear him preach. He and his children. I'd never seen his whole family. And if you were here, you were blessed. It was a blessing. It was a blessing to see a young man excited about the things of God, let alone to see his family serving the Lord like that. It was a blessing to know that he was willing to step out by faith from a successful church, a pastorate, because he felt the Lord leading him into evangelism. And let me tell you, uh, from pastoring and getting a weekly salary to evangelism, there's a bigger step of faith. Hello, there just is. But you know what a blessing, the blessing is? The blessing is, one, we as a church were able to give him an extra love offering. Uh, just between you and me, we kind of we like to pour it on. Matter of fact, even Ford Glover said, "Wow, wow." I, I don't apologize for that. I don't. You take care of the men of God. I'm telling you, God, will, especially men who are preaching the Word of God, God will bless. That's exactly what that passage is talking about there. That's exactly what it's talking about there. We, gave a, we had a lot of guest preachers this past year, and we, we took care of them as a church. To be quite honest with you, I want, I want us to be such a blessing to them that I want them to want to come back here so bad. Oh, I want to come back to Lighthouse. And they do, they feel that way. That's all right. That's all right. But that's one way to invest. It really is. They're preaching the Word of God. They're witnesses. Listen, if you feel like you can't do it, help somebody who can. Hello? But that's not all. Look at verse 10. Verse 10. (coughs) As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. Oh, not just preachers. Listen, you can sow to the Spirit. 
by just being a blessing to all men. Hey, you know what that all men means? It means the people that you don't like. It means the people that are difficult. They're like sandpaper in your life. Oh, come on now. No, 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 no. That's part of the all. That's part of the all. Matter of fact, Jesus said, bless those that curse you. Pray for those that despitefully use you. Love those that hate you. Oh, I love it. That's Christianity. That's, hey, that sets us apart from the Muslims and the Hare Krishnas, wherever they've gone. I don't know where they're at now. They died out with George Harrison, I guess. <coughs> but the reality is this, ladies and gentlemen. All men look for opportunities to be a blessing, man. Whether you're at Kroger, Meyer, Walmart, look for opportunities. I know, you get up there and you're in a hurry. You want to get home, but you see somebody else there as well. You see that one parking spot that's nice and close, and there's somebody, there's somebody right behind you? You know what would be cool? You drive on and let them have that close parking spot. Uh-oh, now you're meddling. <laughs> now you're meddling. Or, or, or you're at Kroger's, and man, there's only two lines. Two lines, and there's a thousand people. And you got a handful of items there, and You see this little old lady pulling up in her cart? She's making her one-month trip to the Kroger, and here she is. Way back in the line. Now, why don't you come on up here? Come on up here. Hello. I'm just, I'm just saying all man, ladies and gentlemen, all man. Your neighbor. Your neighbor. But not... Not just there. That's not the whole verse. Verse 10. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. Especially. Especially. Those of the household of faith. You know what that means. Right here. See, some of you have that little faith app on your phone now. You can look at everybody's picture if they put inserted one. If you haven't, you need to get that cared for. You can look them up, see what they look like. Look around. Oh, I didn't see them here this week. You know what? There's so many opportunities for us to be a blessing to members of our church. And you know what's awesome? I know we have members that looking after one another. It's an awesome thing. Whether it's a financial need, prayer need, just word of encouragement, I just love it. I love to hear reports of somebody saying, you know what? I've been sick for about two weeks and I got all these cards. I got all these cards. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Every, listen, everybody can get involved in that. Especially, especially. God says, hey, you want to sow to the Spirit? You have opportunities right before you, all around you to sow, sow spiritual seed. It will affect people not just here, but eternally. Jimmy Gilbert said, somebody gave him 20 bucks yesterday. I don't know who you were. But you're probably here tonight. He says, Brother, I can't come to your church without somebody giving me some money. <coughs> he says, I have never been around such kind people. I love it. I love it, ladies and gentlemen. I love it. 
Let's keep, let's keep sowing good seed, amen? It's 8.07. Look at there. We're, we're, we're early. What are you going to do with your extra time? Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, may you bless the service. Thank you for the word of God. May you help us, Lord God, to sow seed that will build anticipation in our lives. There are burdens in the room. There are heartaches in the room. There are concerns in the room right now, Lord. And Father, I pray that you'd help us to do our part to lift one another's burdens, to pray for one another, and sow good seed, even though we can't control those around us. Help us sow good seed ourselves. And trust you with the result. May you bless our invitation time. Folks, we're going to have a song of invitation. You do as the Lord leads. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Brian.